Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. From before Him, a thousand thousand served Him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before Him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, at the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me, all, made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time times and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. Thank you that you gave these visions to Daniel so long ago, and yet they are still good for us today. We pray now that as we reflect on your word, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us understanding of your word, but not merely understanding for our heads, but transformation for our hearts that it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine a great painting, a tapestry perhaps on the wall. And the painting is of 2020. 
and it is spread out across the wall. And I want you to imagine what you would see in the painting of 2020. Or if you don't want to see the painting of 2020, you can just imagine a painting of the history of the world and what you would see in it. And I wonder, and some of this may depend on personality, some of this may depend on mood, some of this may depend from time to time, what you would see there, what you would focus on in that painting. If we look at the painting of 2020, do we see the fear and the terror? Do we see the ravages of COVID, the world being shut down, the hardship that that has brought? Or do we see the good? Do we see the doctors and nurses who have worked so incredibly hard? The scientists who have done incredible things to develop a vaccine with remarkable speed? The individual acts of love and service and sacrifice of God's people throughout the world who are caring for their neighbors, who are continuing to worship God even through hardship and difficulty. See the good of the people who have kept up their hope. What do we see? There's lots to see in these paintings, whether we're talking about 2020 or whether we're talking about the world. It just kind of depends on our perspective, what we may see. And what we see here in Daniel is we see a glorious painting of the history of the world. And what we should focus on in Daniel is we see the power, we, we give, we're given here, we see, yes, we see four kings, four evil kings ruling over the earth, but, but the vision of the throne room of heaven, the ancient of days, this is a vision of God himself, white as snow, the river of fire coming forth, the thousands upon thousands attending him, the kingdom being given to one like a son of man, whom we now know that that one is Jesus, who came on the clouds of heaven to receive the kingdom and to reign over it forever. There are glorious things in Daniel chapter 7. But what's fascinating to me is that Daniel himself, the pure and perfect prophet Daniel, who throughout the book of Daniel, he, he can do no wrong, right? He does everything right. He has wisdom. He has grace. He's committed to God even in the face of persecution. But what does Daniel focus on? After Daniel has seen the glorious throne room of heaven, the ancient of days himself on his wheeled throne of fire, and yet what does he say? He says, in verse 19, Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze. So Daniel sees the vision of the Ancient of Days, the vision of the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And yet even Daniel is like, yeah, what about that beast over there? I want to know about him because he's really scary. And so we see here in Daniel, we see, we see ourselves reflected. We can say glory. We can sing glory. We can read the words of the Bible, hear the promises of God, sing the Christmas carols, do all these things, and yet, and yet, we feel the fear. And we see the scariness, whether it's the prophesied scariness of Daniel, whether it's the events of the world, and we say, very, very understandably, but 
but COVID, but Russia, but China, but evil dictators, but evil presidents, whoever it may be. We, we are afraid of these things. And God's good word to us this morning is that he understands our fear. Daniel had this same fear. So if you feel fearful and afraid this morning, it is totally natural. It is totally understandable to look at that painting. When I said a painting of 2020, I did not see a lot of excitement. I saw a lot of grimaces. And the Lord says that is natural. That is understandable to look at the year we've had and be afraid. Even with signs of hope, even with general human optimism, to be afraid for what may come in the future. Will this vaccine be wonderful or will it have problems? Will a new administration be better or will it be worse? We don't know. It is natural to be afraid. And God's word understands our fear. God understands our fear. The message of Christmas is that Jesus himself came down. He lived our fear. He lived our temptations. He lived our trials. And yet, even in the midst of that grace and understanding of our fear, God does not leave us in the fear. In fact, as even as Daniel and we focus on the scary kingdoms of the world, the iron beast with his claws and teeth, there is more reason here for hope. And in fact, if we look, we see, of course, there, there's lots of details that are confusing here. You can, read, you can read commentaries, you can read books, you can read articles over and over and find lots of different ideas about who these four kingdoms are. In fact, it's a little bit uh, shocking how specific they are and how closely they match up to lots of things in the world. But unfortunately, they match up rather closely to a variety of different things in the world. So it's a little bit hard to say exactly what they mean. But the overall message is clear. The message is that God wins. God wins. So while our fear is understandable, while God shows mercy and grace to us in our fear, we can find hope that God wins. And in that overall message of God wins, because that can seem just a little, okay, God wins. That's a little abstract. But there's three specific and somewhat surprising things we see here when we look closely that can strengthen our hope that God wins. So what are the, what are the surprising reasons for hope that we find here? One is that the greatest kingdoms of the world will fall instantly, just like that. They just disappear. The greatest kingdoms will fall. The second is that the perfect man will reign forever. And the third is that his people will reign with him. So the greatest kingdoms will fall instantly. The perfect man will reign forever. And his people will be with him. So first, the kingdoms. This, so we get, we get first here, as we go through this chapter 7, we get these four terrifying beasts this sequence of great empires. And many people think that these, these fit very, very closely with first the Babylonian Empire rising up as the lion, the one that Daniel was in the midst of right then. And then the, the bear comes up, tearing flesh, the Medo-Persian Empire, ultimately led by the great Cyrus, Cyrus the Great. And then the leopard, the speedy leopard, Alexander the Great, who conquered the whole world by the age of 32. And then the terrifying beast 
unlike all the others, many say that's the Roman Empire, an empire like the world had never seen. That may be. That may be. Or maybe that terrifying empire is still in the future. There's been lots of speedy empires other than Alexander the Great. Hitler comes to mind. Other terrifying empires. Uh, and yet, the message for Daniel from us is that even the greatest kingdoms, whether it's the Roman kingdom, whether it's Nazi Germany, whether it's the Soviet Union, whatever it may be, even the greatest kingdoms of the world will fall. What's fascinating is how quickly it changes. Verse 8, we get this scary horn coming up, speaking great things, and great things here is not positive great things. Great things is like boastful, evil things against God. And then there is no transition at all. It goes from verse 8, there was a mouth speaking great things, boom. As I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. It's over. The Ancient of Days is in place. That scary kingdom just went away like that. Daniel sees the throne room. He tries to come back in verse 11 and look at the horn again. I looked then because the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. Gone. Just like that. And then the Son of Man comes, ruling on the riding on the clouds of heaven to have dominion forever and ever. So even, the, and, and, and honestly, we see this when we look in history. These great empires that I mentioned seem so scary at the time, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. And they're gone like that. Why is that? In the history of the world, we can look at it as one empire taking its place, this versus that, but Daniel says that the greatest kingdoms fall because God is in charge. And so, even when we feel understandable fear and uncertainty, we find hope knowing that God has promised that the Ancient of Days is reigning. And we can keep our hope in Him. So we do not look for hope for another human kingdom rising up. We do not have to look to political intrigue and political feelings. What can we do? Who can we talk to? What can we leverage? Instead, we can put our hope in God. And we can live in that faith and confidence that the greatest kingdoms will not last for very long at all. And what will replace him? It will be the Son of Man. And now that is what is fascinating. What is fascinating here is who comes in to be the ultimate king. Because we might expect that after we've seen the succession of failed kings, Nebuchadnezzar had to be humble, Belshazzar who was foolish, Darius who was powerless, even these four kingdoms coming out of the sea to trouble God's people, we would expect something like, forget people, be spiritual, focus on God. This world does not matter. And yet the one who comes, in verse 13, there came one like a son of man. Now son of man in the Old Testament is, is just an expression. It's an expression for human being, a person. Sons of, you know, the traditional English expression, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. This is, this, is, this is who we are. It's an actual person. Where the ancient of days on the throne was kind of just white and fiery, the one who comes to rule as king is one like a son of man, is a human being. And what's interesting when you start thinking about it is to realize what's really being contrasted here 
is that the kingdoms of man, the kingdoms of the earth, were represented here as beasts, as subhuman, and in fact, deformed beasts, creatures that do not fit together, lions with wings, bears with a, a hump on their back, beasts that cannot even be described with iron teeth and bronze claws. They're not even proper animals, let alone humans. And it's, so it's, it's a fascinating truth that the contrast here is not between man and God. The contrast is between people who have become less than human and perfect humanity redeemed in Jesus himself. This is the glorious truth of Christmas. When we say that Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth as a man, what we call the incarnation is that he did not come just to give us a set of principles and rules to look away from this world. Jesus came to make humanity right. To take where we have become evil, where we have become like beasts, and he came to make us right. There's a fascinating scene. I mentioned sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. That phrase, perhaps for most people, is commonly associated with C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. That's how they refer to humans in the land of Narnia. And in The Magician's Nephew, the story of the creation of Narnia, there's a fascinating scene in which Aslan, the great lion, as he's creating the world, and he's bringing the creatures out of the earth and creating them. And then he goes to them and he gives them the ability to talk. And he said, Narnia, is, if you're not familiar with Narnia, Narnia is a land of talking, talking beasts, talking animals. But he makes them more human. More human-like. They can talk. They can think. These are animals, yes, but they are like humans in the land of Narnia, in the image of God. But he warns them. He says, if you do not obey, if you do not follow, there may come a day when you will cease to be talking beasts. You will become more like beasts and less like people. And this is what happens to us when we see evil kingdoms arise, when we see evil, whether it's evil kingdoms, whether it's evil viruses, whether it's just dark things happening, not necessarily kingdoms and business or whatever, uh, we see these bad things happening. It is not people being human. It is people being subhuman, turning away from what, we have what God has taught, called us to be, turning to our base instincts of selfishness and greed. This is not what it means to be human. But Jesus came to restore humanity, to make us the way that God intended us to be. So what does this mean for us? It means this year at Christmas, we do not look to escape the world. We do not look to just reject, you know, we can look at the, the materialism of the Christmas season and say, I don't want that. And that is, that is a right thing to be concerned about the materialism of the Christmas season. But to instead say, what is the good? What is the celebration that we are looking for? That yes, we give gifts at Christmas because God is a gift-giving God. Yes, we eat and drink at Christmas because God is a God of feasting and celebration. To look for all the best of what God is and look for that in people and seek to embody that in ourselves. For that is how we follow the perfect man as king. And then we see perhaps the most surprising truth here. That this is not just don't look here at these beasts. Look here at this ultimate king from heaven. 
But in fact, that ultimate king from heaven is a perfect man come to earth in Jesus. But then, did you notice at the end here, after we get the, the Son of Man coming in verses 13 and 14, uh, we see in verse 18, the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. And then we see it again uh, in verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. And then it comes again in verse 27. Listen to this. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. In the, in the second half here, it's going back and forth between Jesus, the Son of Man, the King, and the saints. It's like they're, it's like they're interchangeable. And so the beauty here in Daniel 7, not only do we have a better king, but we are united with him. We get to reign with him. The song that we sang, Union with Christ, it's a glorious thought because we are united with Christ. And so not only does Jesus set us an example of perfect humanity, not only does he reign with power, but Jesus has united himself to us through his death and resurrection, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He has united himself to us that we too become more and more like him. How, if we don't want to be beasts, if we don't want to give in to those selfishness and greed and power, how do we become more, more human, more the way God intended us to be? It's by uniting ourselves with Jesus. This is the promise of Christmas. This is the promise of Christianity. That Jesus came down, not just as a teacher, not just as an example, not just to understand us, not even just to die on the cross. He did all of those things, but he did them so that we would be saved, so that we would be united with him, so that we would become perfect humanity. So when we look, when I said we need to look to see what is good, what is good in Christmas, what is good in the world, what does it mean to be perfectly human, then how do we get there? We get there through faith in Jesus, through asking him to fill us more and more with the power of the Holy Spirit, through asking him to give us more and more of his life. This is what we are doing when we come to worship. We are uniting ourselves with him once again. This is what we are doing when we take the Lord's Supper. We are taking his body and blood into ourselves that we may be given more of his life. This is what we do when we pray. When we pray on our own, when we pray with others, we're inviting more of Jesus' life into ourselves. This is what we do when we read the Bible, when we read his word and ask him to sink it deeply into our hearts. We are uniting more and more with Jesus. For the kingdom is ours. The kingdom of this whole world is for the saints of the Most High. What a glorious calling we have been given to be united with Jesus, to rule over this whole world as perfect humanity, the way that God intended us to be. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We pray that you would make us 
more and more into the image of your Son. This day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.